0: Like, I get a lot of cases where the moms will not allow the dads to see their kids. Like, they're supposed to see them, you know, first, third, fifth weekends of the month, basically Mm -hmm. every other weekend, and they'll withhold them. And dads get mad and say, well, she's not following the order. This is my weekend, and when I go to pick them up, she won't, you know, she's not releasing the kids to me. So that's an enforcement action because you're asking the court to enforce the order that's in place and, you know, make her... Turn the kids over, so but, I get. I, I see a lot of that.
1: I always wonder why moms don't let don't let fathers see their kids.
0: You know, it's And I
1: feel like fathers are so important in children's lives.
0: I, you know what? And I I agree. I represent a lot of men, and I usually see where, like, you know how people say like bitter baby mama, that's a real thing. It's a real thing. These men will move on. They'll get married or they'll have like, you know, like another relationship or, or, you know, move on, have another kid with someone. And somehow, you know, like the baby moms, they get so triggered and they're so mad. And when you go to court, you realize like you don't really have a reason. (laughs) You, You know, it's not like dad is a bad dad or dad has put the kid in some, you know, significant harm or impaired them in any way. You just just don't want him to see the kids. It's the weirdest thing
1: weirdest thing
0: it's the weirdest thing i never understood that
1: and they will fight tooth and nail
0: they will um or some of them most of them once they get served and they see that dad has hired an attorney and we're going to court and you're gonna have to tell the judge why then they start acting right so a lot of times you know they don't even want to go through with it you know they're like okay can we work this out but you're right dads are important and i i you know, a a lot of times what people don't understand is under the law, child support and visitation are two separate things. Even if you have a guy that's not paying child support, you still have to let him see the kids. If he's not paying child support, then you do the same thing. You file an enforcement and you force the court to make him pay child support. And a lot of times the first step is the court will put him on what we call community supervision, which is probation, Mm -hmm. right? Then if he still doesn't pay, you can file a motion to revoke that and the court will put him in jail. I've done it before. So there are remedies. You can't re- resort to, you know, like, self-help. Like, you're not paying child support, so you don't get to see the kid. It doesn't work like that.
1: Right. So welcome to another episode of Our Change Podcast. And as you all know, every episode, um, you never think the same, you never move the same, you never work the same, because you will be inspired by the information you will get. So um, today is no different. You know, we have Business people have gone and went out and built businesses, and um, today we are going to interview Ms. Poiser. How are you doing? Did I say it correct?
0: You said it's Poiser, yes.
1: Poiser. Yes. Okay, good, good, good. How are you doing today? I'm
0: doing good. How are you?
1: I am doing well. Yes. Um, I heard you talking to me earlier, mm-hmm. and I kind of caught an accent. Mm-hmm. I'm Jamaican. Cru- okay, okay, okay. okay, okay. <laughs> yes. I know I heard it somewhere, and I'm from the Bahamas. Oh, okay, nice, nice. I was, okay, nice, nice. So I was so born we, and raised
0: in Jamaica as well. What mm-hmm. part of
1: Jamaica?
0: I was born in Kingston and raised in Mandeville.
1: Wow, one of my best friends in Mandeville. Really? Nice, nice. So, a Gaza or a Gully? Uh,
0: I don't know. Gaza, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> Say less.
1: Say less. Mm. So, you are. First question. Mm -hmm. If you were to walk into a room, right? No, Mm -hmm. sorry. If you were to get invited to a networking event, Uh right? And um, it's your time to speak, right? Mm -hmm. And they hand you the microphone. How do you introduce yourself and your business and tell people what it is that you do?
0: So my name is Charlene Poyser. I'm an attorney at law. I have my own law firm, the Poyser Law Firm, where we specialize in family law and civil litigation.
1: Family law and civil litigation. Yes. What's the difference between the two?
0: So family law is civil law, but my civil practice is broken down into the non-family matters, right? So breach of contract, breach of fiduciary duty, uh, uh, breach, breach of contract breach of contract. So let's just say you enter into a contract with someone and they somehow breach. They were supposed to pay, they were supposed to perform, and they didn't, right? That's breach of contract. Breach of fiduciary duty. If you enter into a- You're saying that so fast. Oh, I am? I'm sorry. (laughs) Fiduciary duty. Fiduciary
1: duty. What is that?
0: So when you, okay, let's just say there are two parties, right? and one party was supposed to perform with the other persons like we have a partnership right. and you're responsible for the money right and you're supposed to do certain things per or partnership agreement and you don't do that you breach your fiduciary duty that you have to me and to the business
1: got you mm-hmm. so where do you come in with that
0: well when when one party is mad and they want to sue <laughs> the other party <laughs> yes
1: got mm-hmm. you got you so Family and civil litigation. Yes.
0: So the family practice is divorces, right? Custody battles, enforcements. Like the parties already have a court order, right. and one person is not compliant with that order. Mm. So you would have to file like an enforcement action. Got you. Or modification. You know, you got divorced, it's seven years, the kids are older. That order is just not workable, so you need to modify it, right? right? Or there's child support issues. You, you're not making the same or you're making more, you need to modify it. Then there's adoptions. Um termination of parental rights, uh, CPS issues.
1: This is so many layers.
0: So many layers, so many different avenues of family law. Yes.
1: Which one do you enjoy most? I enjoy it all. It <laughs> family
0: got, law is my passion. It got to be one of them you um, enjoy I most. I think I, you know, I like a good, highly contested divorce. It's challenging, especially if the, you know, if the community estate is large, you have to break it down, you got to look at numbers, things like that.
1: Divorce? So that was, mm-hmm. Are you married?
0: Uh, not yet, no. Not
1: yet? mm Gotcha. Um, how did you get into all of this? Where did it start?
0: Uh, my family practice or just to practice of law?
1: Just to practice a law. Like, what, what may, at what point or did you know? Just let me know, like, from the beginning. Like, this. when did the whole law thing become an idea for you?
0: So I've always wanted to be a lawyer. Like, growing up as a little kid, I always used to say that. I want to be a lawyer. I want to be a lawyer. Um, Was you around a family of lawyers? No. I am the first attorney in my family Mm. for, I don't know how many generations that we have, (laughs) but, um, I've always wanted to be a lawyer. I've always, I was one of those little kids that on the report card, it was like, talks too much, talks too much in class. Always. Um, I enjoy like reading, writing, talking, uh, figuring things out. Um, so that, that's always, there was no other career that I ever wanted. Right. So my path to get here was just a little bit different. Um, so before law school, uh, I actually have a master's degree. I have an MBA uh, with a specialization in technology management. I work for Sprint Corporate Wireline, where we designed and managed circuits. Um,
1: you currently do that?
0: No, no, no. I did oh, that okay. before law Got school. You. I was like, ah, oh, okay, I think I can, I can do this. And then, you know, it was always like, this is, this is not where you're supposed to be. Right. Go to school. Go to school. I had my daughter and... Um, I uh, did my. Ma- I started my master's program when she was six months old. How old were you when you had your daughter? Um, I have to say that because then they're going to calculate my age. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to look. No,
1: it's, it's so my job my, to was, ask I, questions. <laughs> Which one you feel free to um, answer
0: it. So I was in my twenties when I had my daughter. Got you. Um, and then I went back and did my master's because I was like, okay, I'm already you know working at Sprint. Let me see if I can advance in that area. And then I just was never fulfilled. It was always like, go to law school, go to law school. You're supposed to be in law school. So I saved up all my vacation time and I took the two or three weeks off. I can't even remember at this point. And I went to a a local library and I bought the big Kaplan LSAT book and I just prepped for the LSAT. Um, LSAT, what is that? The LSAT is the law school exam. Right. So I prepped, I took my vacation from Sprint and just sat in the library every day and just prepped for the LSAT. Um, I took the LSAT, I ended up applying to all these law schools, I got into a, a, a few of them, um, and I decided to come to Texas. Uh, I decided to come to Comf- Texas.
1: From where?
0: So I was living in Atlanta at the time. Got you. And I decided to come to Texas because my mom uh, had kidney failure, and she was on dialysis, and it was very difficult for her to get on the transplant list in Georgia. And after doing some research uh, in Texas, their medical was a lot better and her chances of getting on the list to get a kidney would be far greater here. Right. So um, I accepted, you know, the offer from Texas Southern Thurgood Marshall School of Law and I moved here. I drove here on a Saturday and started school on Monday. day. Um, then I flew my mom and my daughter back after like two weeks, found a place and, you know, the rest is history. And I graduated law school in May of 2015 and my mom got her kidney February of 2015 wow so she was able to watch me walk across the stage with her new kidney so it it was like a full circle moment it made it all worth it what was that what was that moment like it was surreal Um, walking across the stage or watching you know
1: both well let's let's start with your mom first
0: Um, what was that
1: like seeing your mom go through that
0: oh it was um, it was gut-wrenching it was heartbreaking you know
1: I don't mean to cut you off, mm-hmm. but go ahead. I have seen shows or movies where the parent doesn't tell the kid what's going on until like it's mm-hmm. almost noticeable. Like, okay, something's going wrong. Mm-hmm. Did she tell you initially, or was it a thing like you could see something is going on with her? You're like, Mama, tell me what's going on.
0: So my mom was diagnosed with lupus when I was like 14. So for right. most of my life, she has had an illness. And I think that kind of forced me to um, grow up and be a little bit more mature. Like I only know how to be responsible. I don't know how to be careless and reckless and carefree because I've always had right. you know, responsibility. I have a younger brother and when my mom uh, first came down with lupus, she was just not able to function. Um, so I had to step up, I learned to drive early, learned to take my little brother to school and right. just kind of like stepped into, stepped into that role. So it's, you know, the lupus caused the kidney failure. So it was like a gradual process. So I watched that process unfold. Um, There was a year where I went home to visit her and I could just tell she was at death's door. So um, me and my aunt, her sister, we flew her uh, to Atlanta and straight off the plane, she went to the emergency room and she was in a hospital for like a good six weeks. And... I remember the doctor. I feel like I'm gonna cry, but I remember the doctor coming in the room and saying, "Well, her body's so toxic that we don't, we don't know. So you should call the family." And- what does that mean? We don't know. They, they weren't sure if there was anything they could do for her at that point. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, I just I've just been through so much with with my mom. You know, just watching her. You know, just be strong through everything. She never gave up. She would always say, when I get my kidney, it was never, I hope I get my kidney right. one day. No, she's always like, oh, when I get my kidney. And I used to think, wow, she's so positive about this. You know, right. she just putting all her faith in God. Um, and she, you know, I guess she manifested that kidney. She got the kidney of a 19 year old.
1: This is so mm. much like it's so much I could pull from this right now. Mm. So much I could pull from it. But the one thing that's keep ringing in my mind is mm-hmm. the power of words because she didn't say hope.
0: No, she would never say that. She would always say when I get my kidney. She was so clear about that all the time. Even when she was in the hospital, we have spent Thanksgiving in the hospital. There was one Thanksgiving where I had to cook the food and bring it to her and just her and I sat in the hospital and ate Thanksgiving dinner. And she would say, you know what, Char, when I get my kidney, Thanksgiving is going to be so good. I'm going to cook for you. Yeah. She would always say that, when I get my kidney. I was in school when she called and was like, they called me for my kidney. <laughs> she was actually at the doctor's office in the medical center when they called her. So she literally was at an appointment and she right. walked across the street to go get her kidney it surgery. You don't get no better than that. It's God. It's God. She was there. And I was in class. She, she kept calling me and I stepped outside. I'm like, are you okay? Okay, what's what? going on? She's like, oh my God, they called me for my kidney. I'm like, they what <laughs> And then I ended up, um, after her transplant, it was my last semester of law school, and I had to drop out of a couple classes uh, to kind of help her. Right. And um, I remember I dropped out of oil and gas. I couldn't go to that class. And a really good classmate of mine during bar study came to my apartment on a Sunday and taught me oil and gas from beginning to end. Wow. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so I've, I've definitely... You know, gone through it. How's
1: your mom doing now?
0: Oh, she's in Jamaica with my dad, living life. Wow. She comes back and forth <laughs> and she's with her husband, honey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, um, WhatsApp Call me all the time. They're in the garden, they're at the beach, right. they're drinking coffee. They're good. That's
1: amazing. <laughs> amazing. Truly Man, amazing.
0: Mm.
1: That's amazing. How does your mom's resilience play a part in your everyday life now?
0: Because I tell myself, if she can go through that and never lose hope, <laughs> do dialysis three times a week for I can't even remember how many hours at a time and still come through all this, then these challenges I have, of course.
1: They lightweight compared lightweight. to Lightweight.
0: I always tell myself, well, you know, if my mom can do it, I, I can power through some things. Right. Yeah.
1: That's that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. That is that is so beautiful. So you went to law school. I did. And after that, um, did you start your own practice? Right no, after I worked school? for a
0: firm um, for a year, and I hated it. I felt like they took advantage of my labor. Um, they covered the whole state of Texas, so I was on a plane all the time for very little money, and the expectations were so ridiculous. Because if I had like a... Okay, let's talk about who it is. Sorry. Let's talk about
1: it. Let's talk about it. Let's okay, talk let's about talk it. about it, yeah. So you said you felt as if they took advantage of your labor. Yeah. Let's touch on that.
0: What do you mean? I mean, my annual salary was very low. Who was, was the annual salary? Well, I can tell you because I don't work anymore, but it was like fifty thousand, like fifty thousand. And here I was a lawyer with a master's degree, and you paying me less than the job I had before I started law school, <laughs> um, and it it was just it was just too much. I mean. If I had a hearing in Dallas, I would have to catch a 6 a.m. flight. So, you know, you got to be up by 4 to get dressed, be at the airport, be on the plane. And then he would expect, you know, you get done at 2, you fly back, you get here at 4. And his expectation would be to come back to the office and work till 7. But you're forgetting that I've been up since, Mm -hmm. like, (laughs) 4. My brain is dead at that point, you know. Um, it was a lot of micromanagement, uh, you know, you'd have to sit in his office once a month and literally open up the software and go through all the notes you made and explain to him. And it was like, that's a lot. I had over a hundred cases. I mean, it was just not a good, it was not good for me.
1: At, At what point did you realize, did you start to realize, okay, this is, um, I'm overworking and underpaid.
0: Well, when I had certain goals for myself, and I remember I kept working diligently because he said at the end of the year, um, that's when you get like a Christmas bonus. So I was like, oh, okay, great. It's, I'm just going to get this big lump sum. It's all going to be worth it. Now, never forget, I quit on December 19th because he called me in his office and he was like, basically like, yeah, about that bonus, uh, yeah, it's not happening. I know there's a conflict. And I just went to my office. I called my mom and I'm like, I'm quitting this job. And I remember taking my diploma and stuff off the wall. That same day? Same day. He told me there was no money. I'm like, hell nah. It's a few days before Christmas. I, I'm, you know, I'm counting on this bonus. You've led me to believe that there was going to be a bonus at the end of the year. I've worked hard. I've done everything and there's no money. Uh-uh. So I quit and I only had, I don't even know, probably like three $400 in my bank account. And I quit. And I told myself that was the last Christmas I was going to be broke.
1: Wait, wait, wait. So, so mm-hmm. this this part of the story is important because I've I've learned that. You never quit without knowing where you're going to go to next no. or have something that's lined up.
0: I'm not like that. I'm not like that. I'm very clear in my mind. And I will jump. I will jump and not know if there's something to land on. It's, that's just my personality. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take. Because in my mind, how my mind works is anything is better than this. And having nothing to go to is better than this. Because in my mind, this is nothing to go to. Uh, it's it's a few days before christmas and i still have no money i don't i
1: gotta i I gotta challenge you on this one sure i gotta challenge you Mm
0: -hmm.
1: i don't think you should quit
0: a job without having something that's lined up and that's fine that's fine but for me and how i operate (laughs) i'm gonna quit and then not knowing that there's something lined up forces me to be even more i just told myself like I this is the last Christmas. I said, You gonna be sad this Christmas season, but come January first. You you need to figure it out. And that's what I did.
1: So how you paid your bills all the way through? My dad. He helped me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he helped me that month. I mean
1: And that's and that's what parents are there for.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he he helped me. He helped me get through the holidays. He helped right. me with January's rent. At that time I had like a small two bedroom apartment. Um yeah.
1: Got you. Mm -hmm. Okay. It makes sense now. Yeah. But I didn't
0: quit thinking, oh, I'm going to call my dad. I just quit thinking, you know what? Screw this. I'm done with this.
1: (laughs) And from there, how did you transition into your own practice? Did that come immediately after? uh,
0: I started setting it up immediately after. So I had a friend that was working at another law firm that wanted like a contract attorney. So I did that. And um, while I was there every day, which is I shouldn't be saying this, but while I was there every day, I was working on the Poyser Law Firm. I developed my logo. I put together my website. I leased a satellite office. I started just putting, putting it together. And I started putting myself out there. And I think when I got two clients is when I left that job.
1: Were you, were you at his job learning his systems yes, and so. putting it in place for you?
0: Yeah, that law firm I was at, I was the only female attorney and I was only one of two black people. So the one thing that I did learn was how to bill. How to bill because he was so big on billing. So I learned how to bill. I learned how he used like his billing software. I learned how he wanted the notes, how to properly take notes in the file. It was a completely different area of law, but I learned the money side of things i'm like cuz that
1: part of it translates to any business
0: translates to any business yeah
1: now mm-hmm. is that is that an ethical thing to do what to work at someone's practice and
0: mm-hmm. and to learn
1: to take all of their well, I guess learn the systems, learn all that, and then go build a business, the same kind of business yeah, they have. Yeah,
0: because that is ethical because you're supposed to learn every step of the way. I didn't take his software or take any privileged information or take clients because I branched off in a totally different area of law. Got you. What I took with me was the on-the-job experience Got that you. I learned. Yeah.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. So with two clients, you just went?
0: And- I did. I charged <laughs> two big retainers, and I was like, yep, here we go. And then from that, it just kept on going. And then on my journey, one of the first cases I took was a bankruptcy case. I knew nothing about bankruptcy and I called a friend and I was like, hey, I need a bankruptcy mentor. And she referred me to Um, who is now a great friend of mine. His name is James Pope. Shout out, James. (laughs) Um, James became my mentor. And he, you know, he helped me. He put me in contact with other people that became long-term clients of mine. And from there, you know, it just took off. Got you. Mm -hmm.
1: I I need you to explain to me, like, what's a retainer fee? Because I'm... I'm from the Bahamas, and I am in the process of getting my residency right now. Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. And um, my attorney, I think we paid a $20,000 retainer fee. Mm-hmm. And it's like now he's charging me more money.
0: Mm. I'm like, I just... Gave I, you so much. Right.
1: Like, mm-hmm. what is this?
0: So the retainer fee is the fee that attorneys charge to retain them to represent you. That's what it is. So I bill from my retainer. So I have an hourly rate, and you're basically paying me in advance for so many hours. So once you've exhausted that, you have to replenish your retainer. Once I've done all those hours that you've prepaid for, you've got to pay me again because so the case but, isn't over.
1: So basically the $20,000 I put up,
0: mm-hmm.
1: that uh, is for the hours that he already used up. Well,
0: there are some attorneys that bill on a flat fee. Right. Okay, so they may say, hey, the retainer, the, the, the attorney's fees for everything is the 20000 But clearly, if he's asking again, he may have a billable, does he have billable hours? Is he billing you a certain amount per hour? I think so, yes. Yeah, so he probably has done all those hours worth of work and is saying, okay, well, your retainer is running low. I've done all this work. You got to replenish it. Got you. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Because
1: in my head, I'm like, man, I, I just call paid him. so much. <laughs> I, I got a bill for $167. Mm -hmm. i'm like what is this yeah please explain to me Mm -hmm. and she was just like uh basically what you just told me yeah she said it to me but i still needed some more clarity that's fine (laughs) but
0: i give my clients a very detailed invoice so they can see where their hours went to right you know
1: got you Mm -hmm. okay so let's let's dig into this business structure sure um and i know it's different departments within this Mm-hmm. So, while you was building building it out, like, which department you started building first?
0: Um, so, it was important for me to have, like, um, my website. Uh, my website, my my business cards. And I couldn't afford an actual, like, lease space. So, I did, like, a satellite office where you pay, like, a small amount. Then you can go in, use the office, you right. know, things like that. So, I did that for a while. Once I got enough clients, then I office shared, Um with two, two guys two criminal lawyers and it was great it was a great experience we all got along we uh we shared an assistant um it was great and then the more my practice grew I'm like I need my own space I don't want to be in a suite you know office sharing anymore right. and then um found my lovely downtown space find your <laughs> lovely
1: downtown space <laughs>
0: um
1: on the family side of things, right, mm-hmm. what, what cases do you run across most?
0: Um, a lot of divorces and a lot of modifications, for sure. Mo- divorces, modifications, and enforcements.
1: What's enforcement?
0: An enforcement is when there's an order in place and one party is not compliant. Like I get a lot of cases where the moms will not allow the dads to see their kids. Like, they're supposed to see them, you know, first, third, fifth weekends of the month, basically Mm -hmm. every other weekend, and they'll withhold them. And dads get mad and say, well, she's not following the order. This is my weekend, and when I go to pick them up, she won't, you know, she's not releasing the kids to me. So that's an enforcement action because you're asking the court to enforce the order that's in place and, you know, make her turn the kids over. So I I, I see a lot of that.
1: I always wonder why moms don't let... Don't let fathers see their kids.
0: You know, it's... And I
1: feel like fathers are so important in children's lives.
0: uh, You know what? And I I agree. I represent a lot of men. And I usually see where, like... You know how people say, like, bitter baby mama? That's a real thing. It's a real thing. These men will move on. They'll get married. Or they'll have, like, you know, like another relationship. or, Or, you know, move on, have another kid with someone. And somehow you know, like the baby moms, they get so triggered and they're so mad. And when you go to court, you realize like, you don't really have a reason. (laughs) You, You know, it's not like dad is a bad dad or dad has put the kid in some, you know, significant harm or impaired them in any way. You just, just don't want him to see the kids. It's the weirdest thing.
1: Weirdest thing.
0: It's the weirdest thing. I never understood that.
1: And they will fight tooth and nail
0: they will um or some of them most of them once they get served and they see that dad has hired an attorney and we're going to court and you're gonna have to tell the judge why then they start acting right so a lot of times you know they don't even want to go through with it you know they're like okay can we work this out but you're right dads are important and i i You know, a a lot of times what people don't understand is under the law, child support and visitation are two separate things. Even if you have a guy that's not paying child support, you still have to let him see the kids. If he's not paying child support, then you do the same thing. You file an enforcement and you force the court to make him pay child support. And a lot of times the first step is the court will put him on what we call community supervision, which is probation. Mm -hmm. Right. Then if he still doesn't pay, you can file a motion to revoke that and the court will put him in jail. I've done it before. So there are remedies. You can't resort to, you know, like self-help. Like you're not paying child support so you don't get to see the kid. It doesn't work like that.
1: Right. All this stuff has so many layers to it. So
0: many layers, yeah. Man. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: That's (laughs) amazing though that you know all of this stuff so good.
0: It's my, okay, so when I opened my own firm, I did not want to be a lawyer that dibbles and dabbles in everything. I didn't want to do that. I wanted to have one lane and to, you know, advance my skills and to become the best version of the lawyer that can specialize in that lane. So I've always loved family law and helping families. So I just decided I don't want to be, you know, like what we call a rent lawyer. They do any they take any type of case to pay right. the rent. No, this is my area specialty.
1: What, 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 what do they say? Um jack of all trades master none
0: exactly exactly no i did not want to be a jack of all trades right Mm -hmm.
1: specialize in one thing just one thing and you know i I hear that all the time Mm -hmm. all the time just focus on this one thing one thing one thing and people all over the world are gonna come search for you because Mm -hmm. you mastered that one thing one
0: thing um i have really good friends um one in particular, uh, his name is Joseph Plumbard, Jojo, and he believes in me, he supports my business, he refers his friends, his clients to me, and he's been so instrumental in building me up as an attorney. He, uh, We inspire each other, shout out Jojo! Um, we inspire each other, uh, he pours into me, he pours into my firm. And, you know, he's in his own lane. And I've always loved that about him. He's in his own lane. He does personal injury. And in the same fashion that he has no desire to do family, I have no desire to do do personal personal injury. injury. And when I get those clients, I send them right over to him. Right. Um, And, you know, I think in building any practice or in building anything in life, you have to have a circle of friends that believe in you and strengthen you and pour into you. Because, you know, no man's an island.
1: How do you find those type of friends? Because some people always blame it our friends that, that mm-hmm. don't support them or mm-hmm. friends that they don't um, inspire them. How do you find them type of friends?
0: Well, for me, I'm myself. And the people that are for me gravitate towards me. And if they're not, I just don't worry about it.
1: It's that simple. It's
0: that simple. I'm going to show up as Charlene every day. I'm not going to be Charlene that can get along with this person or Charlene that thinks she needs to do and say and act like this to be in that group. No, I'm going to be Charlene. And that is my power. I show up as Charlene every day, every day, every day, (laughs) every day. I don't know how not to be Charlene and Charlene is too much for some people and too little for others. And the people that I'm the right amount of everything for gravitate towards me. And I hold those people near and dear. And that's that's how I, I wake up and do it every day. And that's how you run your race. And that's how, I, even the way I practice law, I practice law with my heart. Yes, I want to make money, but when you come in here and you talk to me and you, you, know, you tell me what your problems are, I take that personally. And I'm going to fight to get you the results that you, that you want. You know, I'm not just going to be like, oh, okay, well, I'm sorry. No, it's going to be like, okay, this is what we're going to do.
1: You know what? While we're here, too, I just had a thought on my mind.
0: hmm
1: Are you able to tell when a client is lying to All you? All
0: the time. <laughs> All the time. And I tell them, if I don't believe you, a judge is not going to believe you. And if we have to have a jury trial, they sure as hell ain't going to believe you. So I always tell them, you know, we have attorney-client privilege. I cannot help you if you don't tell me the truth.
1: And I could understand why. Well, yeah. Well, there's never no reason to lie. I feel like honesty is always the best policy.
0: Mm-mm. But when you start practicing law, you realize if they ain't lying, <laughs> you get to court sometimes. And when, you know, when testimony comes out or evidence comes out, you're like, we never discussed this. Why didn't you tell me? Right. <laughs> you know, so they lie all the time. And how do you navigate
1: that? Well, how do, how do you break that barrier to make it feel like, okay. You I, the I shoot them
0: straight. I look them in their face and am like, I don't believe you. And if I don't believe you, I can't represent you wholeheartedly. And I can't tell your story or shape your story in a way where the judge will believe it either. So what are we going to do?
1: And that's what I express and they come out and tell you.
0: Yeah, and then they'll be like, oh, I'm sorry, attorney. I, you know, well, maybe. <laughs> and sometimes it's not, it's not as bad as they think because People, lay people, understand the law in a different way from actual attorneys. So what you think is legally significant may not be legally significant. So you lying to me for no reason because really a court is not going to care about what you're lying about. But we have to establish trust in the same way that you have to trust me that I'm going to do the job and represent you and do everything I'm supposed to. You, you, your only job is to tell me the truth. And I tell them that all the time. You ain't got to lie to me.
1: <laughs> I just wanted to know that. Yeah. Because I feel like that could probably be a hard thing to navigate
0: it is hard it is hard and it's hard when the other side the opposing party gives you evidence that you had no knowledge of that that's very hard you have to think quick on your feet you got to ask for a minute sometimes if it's your hearing you're like well judge I want to request a reset <laughs> you know so it just it just depends and then you have to show them like you're wasting your money you're wasting your money because if you're going to pay me and then lie to me, it's a waste of your money. And when I break it to, down to them like that, then they get it. Like, that I makes can't. Sense. Yeah. Right. Like, you're going to pay me thousands of dollars in a retainer fee, then you're going to lie to me in a way I can't help you. You're wasting your money.
1: So, what's the retainer fee?
0: So, that varies. Um, I will say most retainers are, are five figures.
1: Five figures?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: No, no, no. You just no.
0: said you paid 20000 That's five figures, right?
1: That is five. Okay.
0: Figures. Why so high? It depends. If if it is litigation, then those hours go by really fast. Preparing, filing pleadings. You know, if it's Harris so County. What's your hourly
1: rate? Varies. What if varies on what? So
0: my hourly, you know, it's for Orfield. What's customary is anywhere from three seventy-five to even five fifty an hour. So I'm in that range. Um, You know the hours go by quickly. You know if it's a if you're in Harris County that requires mediation prior to a temporary orders hearing or a final trial. All of that is like a whole other language. So mediation is, uh, like, our it's it's like arbitration, right? So both parties arbitration. So it's the process by it's an like an informal settlement conference, right? Right. Where both parties show up and then there's an you know uh, a, a totally neutral party, the mediator, who's facilitating. You know, the agreements going back and forth. So both sides are saying, "Okay, this is what I want. No, this is what I want. Okay, I can agree on this. I can agree on that. That's usually cheaper. Right. And in that setting, both parties kind of can control their outcome. Right. Because they're negotiating. Right. When you go to court, you don't know what you're going to get, right? Because you have a judge who's just going to make a ruling. You have no control over that. Mediation still gives you a certain amount of control. So most of these cases, they tend to settle at mediation.
1: Got you. Mm -hmm. Okay.
0: But mediation can be an all-day process. It can be a four-hour process. It's required before, you know, some type of temporary orders or some type of final order. So, yeah, the retainers, it depends. If there's a lot of litigation, then it goes by quickly.
1: Makes sense. Mm Mm-hmm. How do you structure your prices?
0: The the level of difficulty involved.
1: How do you measure level of difficulty?
0: You can tell if it's a high conflict case. If it's a case where... So what would be an example of a high... A a divorce where they don't agree to anything. They both want the kids. They both want the house. They both don't get along. They're both hiding assets. High conflict.
1: And those are cases that...
0: You're gonna have to pay. Yeah, that's a lot of fighting. A
1: case, a case like that, how much? How much is that?
0: I mean, a divorce can go. I mean, it depends on how rich the parties are and how long they want to fight. I've seen people pay eighty, ninety thousand dollars for a divorce. You, and Then there are other people. You can get their divorce done for ten thousand if they agree on everything. When you don't, say, mm-hmm. when
1: you say, I've seen, you talking about someone else paying another lawyer. Or you talking about you?
0: It uh, could be a mixture of both.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You just can't give me an answer?
0: So here's the thing, you know, uh, compensation, how I bill, you know, my billing, how much I make. Those are all very um, personal things, right? And and private things. I will say that I do very, very well for myself. I make plenty. Um, You know, I I do well for myself. Um,
1: Well is relative. Mm, it's subjective
0: it's subjective i okay i make plenty six figures <laughs> plenty six plenty six figures gotcha um and you know part of me and who i am as a person is remaining humble and not you know not putting that uh, out there like that you know so
1: i, I gotta challenge you on that
0: really yes. tell me <laughs>
1: You think putting that number out there is a sign of not being
0: humble? Not as I know, some people are inspired by it, and some people, you know, for me, I I'm just more low key with things like that, you know.
1: I knew every right to be. Yeah, I just mad just, at you. Just
0: more low key. Yeah, I'm mad
1: at you. Mm-hmm. I totally get it. Mm-hmm. But I just wanted to know how does that relate to where not putting them out there uh-huh. could be a sign of not being humble?
0: Um, for me, I don't. Uh, I don't want people to associate me with a number, gotcha you know what i mean i I'm very comfortable with where I am. My practice is thriving I'm confident in the level of representation I give to my clients um, you know I'm confident in my abilities as an attorney uh you know so i don't I don't feel the need to be like I make 500000 a year. You know, that's to me, that's not that's not necessary or to, to put a number out there. I got you. I'm more than a number. But can't. Uh, mm-hmm.
1: Everything's on the internet, so if someone really wants to know, they could just Google your firm, Google your
0: name, huh? Uh, I don't know if it works like that no. for attorneys, but I mean,
1: I got you. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just my my job to sure. ask questions sure you sure. are entitled to answer however you want, sure, to, however sure, you sure, want sure. to yes um i want to know about- i will
0: what i will say is um i have the lifestyle that i want and i enjoy um i have the house that i wanted that i built and everything in there is what i wanted i have the cars that I want to drive, I wear the clothes, the shoes, the jewelry, I have what I want. And I've created a lifestyle that I truly enjoy and that I'm able to do everything that I want to do, not the things that I can or try to make it work or try to function within a budget or whatever. No, I do exactly what I want to do. And practicing law and having my firm has given me that financial freedom. So that is what I will say. (laughs) <laughs> I don't even know what to say. That is what I will say. Yes.
1: And I'm happy for you. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm so happy for you. Thank you. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that you achieved that level of success. Mm-hmm. And I had a question for you. what sure. Let's let's talk about a time that a case went. Like, what was the most difficult case you had to deal with before? You don't have to give no names, oh, but like, just well, give I me, like, so, like, a case that is just was just, like, this one really worked you.
0: Well, I, I, it worked me in a way that was really, really sad. Um, I had done an adoption, and it was just, you know, when we went to court, um, the judge thought it was so beautiful. I remember she took a picture and posted it on Facebook, and this little girl was with her adoptive mom, and the adoptive mom loved her, and she, you know... Had done so well with this little girl the court granted the adoption and shortly after the little girl killed herself wow and it has haunted me it's it, it, it has just haunted me and um i remember the amicus attorney that the court appointed on the case we just sat on the phone and we just just kind of cried we're like you know did we miss something you know so that's one case that I don't know if you meant it that way, but it was very difficult to get kind of over that.
1: Well, I, I didn't mean it that way, mm-hmm. but that was still a beautiful story. Mm-hmm. I meant more so like the client, like difficult. Maybe the client didn't feel like you got done what mm-hmm. they wanted to get done. Mm-hmm. You know, like like you see a movies, the client and lawyer arguing and mm-hmm. going back and forth or
0: yeah. just stuff like that. Um Um, I have had that before. Um, I try, you know, one of the things that I realize that clients like, they like for their lawyers to be accessible to them. They don't like to call and you won't call them back or feel like they can't get you. So I've always tried to maintain that communication with them. And then that builds the trust. So I don't have too many instances of where my clients are like not happy or mad at me Mm -hmm. for not doing something, you know, um, you know, when I found, when I felt like I wasn't able, earlier this year, I had a client that was referred to me by a very close friend of mine and I just could not make this guy happy. I worked out what I thought was a fantastic deal for him. He didn't want it. He was doing other things. He was complaining. Like he was literally, I guess, going to my friends and like making it seem like I wasn't doing what I was supposed to be doing. Like I just could not make him happy. So I fired him as a client.
1: <laughs> I had to let him go. Yeah. Yeah. If, I, if I'm not making you happy, we have no use for no, each other.
0: No, we, we don't. And, you know, I've worked really hard to build my name, build my firm, build my reputation, especially among my friends that Refer Me Business. You're not going to destroy it because you're just not. Right. No one can please you.
1: And I respect that. <laughs> I respect that.
0: Yeah, and I, I'm not going to be a good fit for everyone. Right. And, I, you know, some clients need a lot of cuddling. They, you know, they want you to be like a counselor they want to call and tell you and cry and you know and it's like i i'm going to be here for you and i'm going to support you but you hired me to advocate for you if you need a therapist then i can refer you to someone but i don't have it in me to be emotional about all these cases i have and take on your emotional burden i'm taking on your legal burden Right. So you have to be somewhat responsible for your emotions and how you heal and what you need to get through this difficult time. Of course, I give all my clients grace because I literally meet people at their worst. Going through a divorce is terrible. You know, that's at your worst. That's, you know, it's like a failure. People are sad. I get that. And I definitely extend grace. But if you are, you know, so emotionally not able to function, then you, you need, you know, you need some other type of help that I can't give
1: how do you how do you manage a healthy work life balance
0: It's tough it's really tough um i you know sometimes these cases
1: it seems like with all of that going on mm-hmm. even when you leave work because you hear all the emotions, you take that with you outside of work yeah, how, how do you maintain that
0: So when I first started practicing family law i didn't I didn't know how to do that, you know. And then the more seasoned I got, I just had to tell myself, like, these people are hiring me to fix situations. One more question. Mm-hmm.
1: How long have you been practicing your own firm?
0: Uh, so I got licensed in 2015, and I opened my firm in 2017. Got you. Mm-hmm. Okay,
1: continue.
0: Um, so when I was really green, I didn't know how to, how to like cut it off, you know? And then the more seasoned I got, the more I realized, like, hey, these people are hiring you to fix situations that you didn't create. You didn't create these problems for these people. When you met them, they already had these problems. So it's not fair for you to take on problems you didn't create. Then I just slowly was like, okay, this is work, and this is my life. <laughs> it came in with time.
1: Seems easier, easier said than done.
0: Yeah, it, it took some time to get here, yeah. And even now I still have cases that mentally, you know, I leave the office, I go home, I'm still thinking about them because, you know, these are people's, Lives, their children, their homes, their their assets. You know, so it's kind of hard not to. Seems like
1: you have huge responsibilities. You don't you don't feel that way? I do. It's
0: overwhelming sometimes.
1: How do you how do you manage that?
0: Because I know God won't give me anything I can't handle. So if God has allowed these clients to walk through my door or to hire me, then He must think I got it. So. I feel like, okay, he won't put anything on me that I can't handle, so. No
1: better way to say that. Yeah,
0: so I got it.
1: You have a therapist?
0: I, I used to have a therapist, yes. Mm.
1: You used to? Not no huh.
0: No, not anymore.
1: Mm, okay. Mm-hmm. I, and the reason I'm asking, because, like, as you're telling me all these stories, I'm like, this is a lot. On someone, mm-hmm. but I wanted they see a therapist to help them navigate this stuff.
0: Um, yes, and I think in the in the black community, like therapy is like so taboo. You know, black men don't want to go to therapy. So therapy, and I tell all my clients too, therapy is not. You know, you don't have to like be diagnosed with depression or anything like that. Sometimes you just need an, a neutral third party who has you know, the skills and the educational level to give you tools to process information. Sometimes things are happening in your life and you just don't know how to process it. Then there are people who don't want to confide in friends and family because, you know, they're judgmental. You don't want your business everywhere. You want to stand on your own feet and navigate things. And sometimes having a therapist is just that, just a person to talk to. Got you. Mm-hmm.
1: If I'm going through a situation of family, mm-hmm. uh case right Mm -hmm. and I have two lawyers to choose from Mm -hmm. her and you why Mm -hmm. would I want to come to you
0: because I'm going to give it a hundred percent I'm going to be authentic with you um I'm going to listen to you and I'm going to try my best to get you the results that you want. Now, other lawyers will probably say that or, you know, they market themselves and, you know, that's that's great. But for me, I pride myself in always, like I said, showing up as Charlene. And when you meet me and when you talk to me, you're going to realize that, okay, she's not taking this lightly. She's not going to sleep on my case. She's not going to, you know, she's actually going to do what I pay her to do. And I want to get to a point where when my name is on a pleading or on a document and people get it and they see Charlene Poyser, the Poyser Law Firm, they're like, oh, hell, okay. <laughs> let, me, let me see what I'm going to do with this because she, she she's not going to stop, right. <laughs> you know? So that's always my goal. And once my name is on something, once I'm representing someone, then it's like, okay, here we go. It's game time.
1: Game time. Mm-hmm. No time to play. Are you, are you in any way inspired by Viola Davis?
0: Um, I like Viola. Um, I don't know in what, what sphere I should be, you know, inspired by her. I think it's great that she's made such a name for herself in an industry that, you know, doesn't typically recognize black women for, you know, doing the, things.
1: The reason I'm asking this is because I just recently read her book. Mm-hmm. And, like, a lot of the things that you're saying right now were, mm-hmm. like, just confidence. Mm-hmm. Just reminded me of some of the stuff she was saying, like along her journey as well. Mm-hmm. That's why I
0: asked that you kind of gave me that, yeah, that vibe. So people don't understand; it's <clears throat> it's difficult being a person of color, right? We know that in America, but you and I are from an island where we right. did not grow up with those challenges, right? But it's even more difficult being a woman of color. Okay, um, we are judged if we have a strong personality. Then it's like, oh, she's an angry black woman. We always have to show up twice as prepared, twice as you know, well put together. We don't get the grace that's extended to, to other races. And those are just facts, right? I'm not, I'm not making this up. I'm not pulling the race card. It just is what it is. We have to have a crown act to tell us that it's okay to wear our hair in a way that we wanna right. wear our hair. And um, so I think for me, I always function with that in the back of my head. You know, only what, two, three percent of attorneys are black women. So really? mm-hmm. it's so a very, very that. low percentage. Yes. Yes. So, you know, I always function thinking, OK, Charlene, you got to be twice as fly, twice as prepared. You can't go to court looking any old kind of way and you definitely can't show up not knowing what to do. And that, you know, that that's part of how I, I function, just knowing like the standard is just not the same. It's not. No, it's not the same.
1: Because of that, you've got to show up twice
0: mm-hmm. as
1: prepared and twice as fly.
0: Twice as fly. Got you. Mm-hmm.
1: Now, let's dig into the business structure sure. a little bit. Let's dig into yes. this. So, how do you market yourself?
0: So, I mean, this is, this is not good, but my social me- I'm not like a big social media person. I, th- You know, I built my firm, and this is going to be so weird, just off of referrals. Just off of the work that I've done, one person tells a person, tells a person, tells... I mean, it, and that is just how business keeps coming through the doors. My colleagues, my friends, other clients. Um, I've had judges. I've had, you know... You have opp-
1: judges referred? Mm-hmm.
0: They can do that? Uh, n- not family court judges. Just other people that are, you know, there are judges in different courts, yes. Got you. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had opposing uh, uh, counsels refer me clients which was the first time it happened. I was like, oh, my God, I thought this guy hated me, <laughs> you know. But turns out, you know, I probably just respected my hustle and what I did from my clients. So I I need to work on marketing myself. And I said my next thing was I was going to get some billboards. But honestly, you know, I have a steady stream of cases, and my docket is, is I'm pleased with it. But, yeah, it's just, just referrals, just doing good work. How many employees do you have? Well, I have two contract paralegals. I have a contract attorney and I have one consultant. So
1: that's is that three or that's two?
0: Uh, that's three.
1: Three. Mm-hmm.
0: Two? Two contract paralegals, what are, what are, a contract what attorney. What do they do? So they help me in like file preparation, talking to clients, putting together things, discovery, things like that. And then my contract attorney, of course, I'm just one person. So if I have a hearing in Brazoria and a herring in Harris, I can't be two places at once, so I'll send them. And my consultant um, helps me with, like, civil cases if I'm not able to, you know, get to pleadings or to draft things, or I'll tell her what I need, and she cranks it out.
1: Got you. Mm-hmm. Got you. And that's how, that's how it runs.
0: That's how it runs, yes. I definitely have a support staff.
1: Got you. So, mm-hmm. if a client comes in, who do they speak to first?
0: Okay, so when you call the Poyser Law Firm, you'll, you know, get greeted by reception. Then they will... Connect me and tell me who's on the phone. And then, you know, if I'm able to take the call, then I'll talk to the clients myself. And I feel like when that potential client is able to speak to the attorney like that, they're they're halfway sold. And I always wanted to have a business where people can reach me. You know? I didn't want it to be like, oh, make an appointment. Come in. Go through the questionnaire with a with a paralegal. Never talk to the attorney. Like, no, I, the Poyser Law Firm does not operate like that. I'm one-on-one with my clients.
1: But at some point it will be.
0: Um, I don't want to lose that. And it's getting to the point where that's very difficult. So now I've opened up Saturday hours to, you know, to meet with potential new clients to, you know, cause sometimes during the week it's, it's, I'm, I'm busy. Right. But I always try to call them back. I always try to, if they can't get here, I'll set up like a zoom consultation with them. I'll set up a Saturday or if they're available after hours, I'll call them seven, eight o'clock at night. You know, it just depends. I'll do what it takes to talk to them.
1: Makes sense. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. How do you structure the payments for your employees?
0: Um, so the attorney is on uh, billable hours. So, you know, there's an hourly rate that they bill. And at the end of the week, whatever work they've done for me, they submit their billable hours that the paralegals are paid hourly. And my consultant is paid per case.
1: Paper case. Mm-hmm. Why? Why per case not hourly? Uh,
0: because she, she wanted it that way for some reason. Mm. Yeah.
1: So it's just a matter of choice.
0: It's, that's just how she wanted it. Got yeah.
1: You. Okay. And is it one of those things where if we win the case, you get this, or if not?
0: Um. No. Seeing
1: like stuff be like, oh, we only get paid when we win.
0: Those are contingency cases. Those are more like personal injury. Mm. These cases are. Uh, I don't handle any contingency cases.
1: Got you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay what's one piece of advice you have for someone that may want to get in this industry they've been thinking about becoming a lawyer mm-hmm. it's on their mind they think about are going to law school but they just can't find the nerve to just go up and get it done
0: so law school is it's it's not easy right we're just going to call a spade a spade the bar is hard um it's three days of testing so what law school will do it will test your stamina, your endurance, your ability to think. And how bad do you want this? Because if law school wasn't bad enough, then you got to study for the bar. Then you got to sit for the bar. Then you have to wait for the bar results. Then you have to practice law. And it never ends. It's a continuous cycle of learning. It's called the practice of law for a reason. Um, you know, if, it's just one of those things like anything else. It's how bad do you want it? When you want something and you are called to do it, even if you fight it, you take the long way, you take twists and turns, you're gonna end up there. You're going to, if, if it is your calling and you want it bad enough, you're gonna leap. And I would tell people, you know, like, there's this thing that Steve Harvey um, said uh, a few years ago. He was talking about having an old car in his driveway. Do you remember when he said oh, that? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can't, you can't get somewhere new until you move the old car out the way. And that's kind of how I look at it. Like, if you want to be an attorney, it's hard, but the reward is, is greater than the difficulty involved in getting there, right? The if, reward
1: is greater than the difficulty it takes to get there, Yes, Ooh. yes. That's my next Instagram caption.
0: Mm-hmm, the reward is greater. You have the ability to determine your worth. You have that ability. You have the ability to create a lifestyle, Set up a business that's going to pay you what you're worth, right? So the reward is far greater than the, the sweat equity it takes to get there, you know? But nothing, is, is nothing in life that's that good is that easy. You know, if it's easy, everyone would do it. Everyone would be a lawyer, you know? But right. it's not easy, but it's, it's doable. It's doable. And anything that you believe in, that you put your effort into, it, it's all doable. It's, it's mental is what you tell yourself.
1: It's all what you tell yourself. It's, all
0: what, it's, it's how you talk to yourself. How do you talk to yourself?
1: Oh, I see your mama come on, coming on now. Yeah.
0: How do you talk to yourself? What do you say about yourself? People be so quick to down other people. That's great that you have an opinion about all these people, but what is your opinion of yourself? Because your opinion of yourself is going to determine how you see other people. Right? Do you think you're worthy? Do you think greatness is within you? Do you think you're capable? Do you even like yourself? You know, those are questions that you, you really, you know, what, what are you telling yourself? If you wake up every day and say, I got this, you know what's going to happen? You're going to get it. You're going to get it. <laughs> if you wake up every day and you're like, oh, my God, this is so hard. Oh, my God, I don't know what I'm going to do. Shut up.
1: It's going to just keep being hard. Shut
0: up. Shut up. I worked for this guy years ago named Steven Stoll at a uh, title agency when I lived in Florida. I was super young. And he always used to say, don't think, just do. And I, I've just, you know, stop thinking. you thinking yourself out of it. You're talking yourself out of it. Stop getting 50 different opinions. Hey, man, I have this idea. What do you think? Who cares? Right. Who cares? What do you think? Your opinion is the only one that matters. Do you think you can do it? Is it because you don't think you can do it while you need people to boost you up? So many people need people to boost them up and everything you need is within you.
1: need validation.
0: Yeah, it's, it's inside of you.
1: The fact that you got that idea is enough to tell you, hey, I could do it.
0: Look at what you're doing today. That, just talking to me, you've set up a platform where you're able to, to come and do this. You have that in you. That's great. I respect that. You know? So it's it's all within you. What do you tell yourself? You obviously told yourself I can do this. I sure did. Exactly. <laughs> and you and sitting I'm here, here looking me square in my eyes. Yeah. Uh, so I can tell your power is within you. You have to be careful for people that get be careful of people that get their power from outside of them. That's the biggest red flag.
1: Oh, hey, y- you you' getting deep now you're getting deep because you're getting it's, deep
0: it's bigger than the practice be careful of law.
1: be careful of the people that get power from the outside of them.
0: yeah that's real because they they crave that how do you how do,
1: hmm. you how do you how do you differentiate the difference how do you know the people that's getting the power from the outside in from the people that's getting from the power from the inside
0: the ones that constantly need validation the ones that post a bunch of stuff in social media and you know them in real life the ones that front the ones that do not walk in their authentic self because they want to create an illusion of who they are sometimes it just starts with accepting where you are just accepting where you are where where are you right now okay i'm here This is not where I want to be, but you know what? I have it within me to do better. And every day I'm going to take a little step towards that goal. What do I need to do? Okay. Am I spending time with people that's bringing me down? Am I, is my, is my friend circle fake? When I walk away, do they talk about me and do I know this? Am I involved in too much petty stuff? Do I need an outlet? Maybe I need to go to the gym. If you don't feel good about, you know, how you look or, you know, you think that's holding you back, what can you do? Go take a walk, go to the gym, whatever. Like, what are you doing to advance yourself? And the people that you can tell when people have not had those hard conversations with themselves. They're critical of other people. They create false narratives, and they crave attention. They have to be seen. They have to be heard. They need people to constantly validate them. That's dangerous.
1: Super dangerous. That's
0: dangerous. Your energy, I, I don't want that around me. <laughs> That's not good energy.
1: It's not. No. It's, it's really not. Mm-mm. It can really drain you.
0: It's draining. It's draining, and those are the people that you have to have very firm boundaries with. Like, you're not going to come over here and contaminate what I got going on, you know?
1: you just said that so beautifully
0: really Uh oh you did
1: you did you did Mm. you did you did did. it it makes total sense Mm -hmm. it makes total sense um let's say that uh now they finished bar school i'm sorry they finished getting a law degree yes and now um you know what let's say they have worked at a law firm, mm-hmm. and now they want to go and open up their own practice. Because mm-hmm. I heard you say a building building a business, mm-hmm. and it dawned on me that okay, what are some actionable steps that you would give someone mm-hmm. that okay now they're looking to build out their own business? Mm-hmm. Like give that young lady or that young man that's just finished. They mm-hmm. they were where you were at, were working for somebody else, mm-hmm. and now they want to build out their own. What are some actionable steps they could take towards that
0: well first um figure out what area of law you want to practice and get a mentor okay mentorship is important it's important that you have someone that has gone ahead of you that's not gatekeeping because you know sometimes people tend to have like this crab in a barrel mentality where they gatekeep i don't want to tell her. i don't want you know i'm not like that you can help you can call me for help you can ask me any question because i know for a fact that what god has for me is for me and me sharing with you is not going to somehow take away from what is for me no in fact it multiplies what i have
1: 100 percent.
0: right and i hate people that are like that but if you can find a good mentor that's the first step right because you're young you're green you don't really know which way to go what's your
1: definition of a good mentor
0: someone that will not gatekeep someone that will be honest with you someone that is okay with giving their time and gotcha. there are people out there, plenty of people out there like that. Um, but first, you have to figure out what area of law you want to go into. Super important. Super important, right? Then you find a, a mentor that can help you in that area. Then you do things like you get your business cards. You know, you set up a website or, you know, get a satellite office. I'm just giving you the steps that I use because that really helped me, you know, go to networking events and give out my business card. Oh, I'm a family lawyer. Or tell my friends, this is what I'm doing now. Um, And you know, I think another important step is don't don't get discouraged because as an entrepreneur, you know you have good months, great months, and some not so great months. So in the moments when it's not so great, just keep going. What's a great month for you? (laughs) Ha ha ha! Great month for me. Ooh, Lord, you really want me to talk about numbers, huh? What's a great month for you? A great month for me. You know what?
1: I know that you separate.
0: Mm -hmm. business from yourself yes i do so
1: i don't want to know what's a great month for you what's a great number what's a great month for the business for
0: the business uh anything that comes close to six figures is a great month that's a great month
1: (laughs) (laughs) six figure months that's that's a great
0: month yeah let's go um but yeah don't give up we all have had those moments where you're like jesus you know And one thing that me and my friend always talk about is how much God is our source. God is our source. So I think for me, people always ask me all the time, how'd you get your business up and running? What'd you do? And I tell them just like I'm telling you now. And then I say, you know, I just put my trust in God. I remember me, my mom, and my daughter used to hold hands and have a prayer circle. And we used to just pray for prosperity for the Poyser Law Firm. And I still do that to this day. Prayer.
1: You sound like my mom now. She'd Mm -hmm. be telling me... um... It's power on the, what she said, uh, it's power on the knees.
0: Yes, when, when think, prayers think, go up, yeah. blessings come down. When you ask God for what you want and you stay steadfast and God likes big prayers, you know? So if you're gonna pray for something, don't pray for something small. Pray for him, take the limits off of him. And I do that all the time. I'll set my intention for the week. Let's just throw out a number. God, I wanna make 50,000 this week. I come in here, I write it down, I pray, and I slowly, every day, I work towards it. God, where's my 50000 I know it's coming. Come on, God. Then slowly, you see, this case comes in. That retainer gets paid. And then by the end of the week, you're like, Jesus, you did it.
1: Right. hmm That's beautiful. hmm That's beautiful. hmm So after you said, don't get discouraged. Don't get discouraged.
0: We're
1: going to wrap it up right here in a minute. Sure. But I just wanted to know... Uh like building it out let's let's go from like
0: Mm
1: -hmm. finding a building spaces Mm -hmm. like let's talk with all of that
0: so when you start off you want your overhead low right so i started with a little satellite space then when i got more clients i office shared and i office shared for i can't remember maybe two three years and you know it's it's just at the rate that your business is growing Right. That's your gauge because you don't want to have a fancy office overhead and then you don't have the business
1: to support that.
0: Yeah, because you're going to end up not being able to save. There's no profit for the business. You're just that's too much. Right. So as my business grew, then that's how my space grew. So I got comfortable, built up my clients, built up the firm. And then that's when I decided, OK, I need to I need my own space. I picked this location because, you know, obviously it's a few blocks away from the courthouse. I like being in the downtown area and, you know, my business can afford this kind of space. So I think it's, it's what kind of numbers are you doing?
1: Got you. Yeah. What, what's your monthly overhead?
0: Oh, <laughs> my monthly overhead is pretty high. I will say that um, my monthly overhead is five figures.
1: And where does most of that come from?
0: What do you mean? The overhead? Yes. Uh, you're talking about like my personal and the business or just the business?
1: Just the business.
0: Oh, so there's obviously rent. Um, there's parking, there's billing software, there's malpractice insurance. There is... You have to have practice insurance? Malpractice insurance. Yes. What is that? Um, so it's insurance that you have as an attorney in the event that there's any malpractice, you know causes of action or suits against you to protect you
1: just give me a quick example
0: like if you messed up someone's case Mm. (laughs) you were negligent so you have the insurance in the same way that you have car insurance in the event that you get in a car wreck
1: got you yeah okay i never knew
0: that yeah so doctors have malpractice insurance too because they get sued all the time you know um wrongful death lawsuits you know they operate on someone the person died it's the same thing um So there's malpractice insurance, there's, you know, softwares that you use, there's the staff, there's, you know, so many different things to keep the business going. There's the cable, the internet, the this, you know, everything.
1: Got you. Okay. Okay. I'm just asking the questions for that the people, other people that want to get. Yes. They may want to get this thing started, yes. but you know they don't know. I need malpractice insurance, or they don't yes. know I, this or that. So you know, yeah. Just,
0: then you know you have to pay your your dues every year, your state bar dues every year. Like there there are things involved. Yes. Got you. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Okay. Well, I feel like this was a a, a, a well-rounded conversation. Um,
0: Me too. It forced me to think about things that I would not <laughs> normally think about. Mm-hmm.
1: Gotcha. Um, before we wrap it up, I want to give a shout-out to uh, my girl, Fee. Because without yes. her, this wouldn't be possible.
0: I love her. And I'm going to tell you this. She is tenacious. She is hardworking. She's dedicated. And her, she, you know how her thing is flawless by Fee? Right. She's flawless. And I'll tell you, she... Um, She she is inspirational to me as well, because she is a a good example of a woman who has gone out, has decided what they wanted to do, what their life, what she wants her life to look like, and she's just doing it.
1: She's doing it. She's
0: doing it. Flawless by Fee on the hair. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, yeah, she's incredible. Thank you, Fee.
1: Yeah, so Mm. uh, I met her through another lady,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and... I was talking to Fee, and I think I asked her, I said, you do you have anybody else that you could refer to me that would mm-hmm. be interested in getting on the podcast? I I got a few people for mm-hmm. you. She just started sending them to me, yeah. sending them. And I reached out one by one, one mm-hmm. by one. And you one of them that responded? No. So I want to take this time to tell you thank you for allowing me yes. you know, to get in here and, and pick your brain a little sure. bit. Sure. And um, I want to say nothing but love, prosperity, More wins to you and your business. I receive it. Yes, ma'am. Before we get up out of here, one last Mm -hmm. question. Sure. I met this guy in Atlanta. Uh, I went down there for a networking event, Mm -hmm. and I stayed at his uh, Airbnb, Mm -hmm. and uh, I was telling him about my podcast, and um, he came back the next morning and gave me a sheet of paper with ideas that I could add to my podcast. Nice. And so this section is forever dedicated towards him. Um, And one of the questions that stuck out to me was Mm -hmm. the world is listening. If it's one piece of advice you can give to humanity, what would it be?
0: Stay true to yourself. Stay true to yourself. I feel like people get into trouble when they don't know who they are or they're searching or trying to be something they're not. Stay true to yourself and I promise you, you will attract everything that is meant for you
1: and how do you find out who you are?
0: It takes being really honest, being honest with yourself, speaking kind words to yourself. Like I always say, what are, you, what are you telling yourself? You know, Stay true to who you are, and you know what you like, you know what you don't like, you know what you're forcing, you know what you have in you, you know what you're, geared. Like, like I couldn't be a doctor, I hate blood, <laughs> you know? So why would I try to force myself in that well. lane? Or there are people that are doing things every day that make them so unhappy. Life is too short. Stay true to yourself. Stop being afraid. Stop being afraid. Put yourself first. Try to find something you enjoy. Be true to yourself.
1: Look, you couldn't close it out. No better than that. Oh, thank you. The Poison Law Firm. Thank you for your time.
0: Yes, it was a pleasure.
1: (laughs) Yes, ma'am. That's it. Done. Yes, ma'am.
0: You're really good at interviewing people. I I pray your business goes very far it will you did you did it will what are you saying to yourself see it will you telling yourself it it will. will